Welcome to another edition of Canton Bound, the NFL half of our Campus to Canton podcast. As always, I'm Colin. And this is Austin. And we got a couple of games on tonight. Got Cardinals Saints. We also have a couple college games on tonight. Georgia uh, Tech, Virginia, Troy, Alabama. Which one are you watching? Which one of the three? None, because I have to be here with you. You don't have the game on in the background? No. I just assume that's why you always ignored me. You were just watching the game or does that make you feel even worse that there's nothing else occupying my attention? Like it's just I just don't listen. Yes. Yes, it actually does. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Um I have the Cardinals Saints game on. Andy Dalton's toast. So I don't know if you're watching that, but he's thrown three picks in the first half, two pick sixes. It's brutal. It's brutal. Cool Andy story, James bro. Is back. Well, they need James back because their quarterback's making too many mistakes. I don't think you know what you just said there, Colin. Yeah, yeah, that's how that's how that's how bad it is. That's how desperate it is right now. Um, but all right, we'll get into the show here. Got a little bit of news, um, short discussions, and then this one's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, we are going to talk some C two C strategy sessions here. Moves you make in the middle of the season, kind of how to set yourself up for either a playoff run this year or how to set yourself up for the future here. And, you know, you on Twitter, after learning about this being the topic of the show, you were very excited. This is the most excited I've seen you about Canton Bound in a while. Uh, posted some tweets out there about that. We'll talk a little bit about those too. Your Austin's golden rules for C2C trading. Um, but before we get into the show here, uh, we got the Jersey promo giveaway. Uh, we are giving away three jerseys. We stole the credit card while Austin was away for a while. Uh, we are giving away a signed Jordan Addison Jersey, a signed Bijan Robinson Jersey, and a signed Jackson Smith and Jigma and Jigba Jersey. Three of the top prospects in the 2023 draft class or expected to be in the 2023 draft class. They're very easy to win. Very easy. You got three ways to win it. You got three possible ways to enter uh, first one. And honestly, the no-brainer of the group here is sign up on Prize Picks using promo code C2C. Uh, you will get an initial deposit match back if you deposit at least $20. And you get $29.99 towards a membership. So that is either a free uh, walk-on yearly membership, a free in-season edge membership or you get $29.99 off of the scholarship tier which is the middle one uh or the nil tier which is the top one um so you're essentially losing money not signing up for prize picks using promo code c2c but on top of the already fantastic promotion there you're also entered into win one of these jerseys if you sign up through prize picks uh, using promo code C2C. The second way to win, reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, leave us a five-star review. Just leave us a review and a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. Send us a picture of the review to the Campus to Canton Twitter account. If you're not on Twitter, you can send it to the Campus to Canton Gmail account. That's campus, the number two, canton at gmail.com. Uh, and then we will get you entered in for that. And the third way, which is definitely the most fun way, call into the Campus Canton morning show on Better Sports Network. Download the Better Sports Network app, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Saturday morning. Call in, talk to the guys, talk to Austin, talk to Chris, talk to Felix, talk to Matt, whoever's on there, uh, and just talk some betting. You know, we talk some betting on their shows, we talk some game pricks, previews. Just call in, and then that will also get you entered. So you can enter in three times if you want by doing all three of these things. Doing one of them gets you entered in once. Uh, but we will be giving these jerseys away. The first one will be given away on October 26th. That is less than a week away uh, on the Debbie Debate Show. So get these entries in now. The second giveaway will be on our morning show on the tailgate. Saturday mornings, that one will be on November 5th. We'll be giving that one away live. And the third giveaway 
will be the following week, November 12th, on Better Sports Network at the morning show, 8 to 10 a.m. on Saturday morning. Three chances to win, three awesome jerseys, very, very easy to enter. So some news quick here. Uh, Dak Prescott says he's going to be back this week. He will be starting. That is a breath of fresh air for all of your Cowboys, although Cooper Rush did perform admirably in his absence. Taylor Heineke is also going to start this week against Green Bay. Sam Howell will be the backup. Uh, I am personally rooting for some Sam Howell season, so we'll see how that one turns out here. Other quarterbacks, Tua expected to start this week against Pittsburgh after that nasty concussion. Uh, Melvin Gordon is expected to start versus the Jets this week after he was curiously absent from the second half of the game last week against the Chargers. DeAndre Hopkins is back this week. He is playing tonight. Six catches for 59 yards uh, already through the game. So he's making an early impact here. And then the last news note here, there's just something that I kind of thought was cool. Uh, the Polynesian Football Hall of Fame announced the class of 2023 finalists. The finalists are Manti Teow. Everybody knows Manti Teow there. Uh, BYU head coach Kalani Sataki. Former NFL linebacker Ray Maluga. Uh, former NFL offensive lineman Chris Kimowatu, former NFL quarterback Tony Banks, former NFL offensive lineman Harry Montague Field, who is actually the first player of Polynesian descent in the NFL, former NFL offensive lineman Larry Warford, and somebody they just listed as contributor, Dr. Edison Miyawaka. So not really any news on that one. Though. I just thought that was kind of cool. Um, two other short discussion topics here. So. Mac Jones uh, says he is going to start this week. We'll see how that one plays out. Bill Belichick has been a little bit more noncommittal on that, but Bailey Zappi's performed very well in his stead here. Austin, is this kind of a Tom Brady, Jimmy G situation where, you know, Mac Jones will be back. Jimmy G or Zappi goes back to the bench. There's maybe a little trade value, or is this like a legitimate battle between Zappi and Jones? I um I was hoping you wouldn't come to me on this one. I, I actually who else am I, who else am I coming to? <laughs> Could be anybody. Your dog I know is always sitting around. When we do the show. Um, I don't have any thoughts on this situation because I don't know. But I think anybody that says, "Well, duh," it's they're going to go back to Mac or duh. They're like I think you can't say that definitively. It wouldn't shock me if Zappy takes his job. We've Zappy seen- hour. We've seen Belichick bench better quarterbacks for lesser prospects. Like this is not a thing that he's afraid to do. I don't, I don't have, uh, I, I know that's like a really crappy answer. I actually apologize for this one. Um, <laughs> thanks for not tagging me on Polynesian football hall of fame. Those I didn't give about that. Um, <laughs> but I really don't have a lean either way on this. I, and to be honest, it probably doesn't matter at all for the Patriots. They're the same person. It's like the same quarterback. Spider-Man meme. It really, 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 really doesn't matter. The offense will probably function similarly. I don't does Matt like Mac Jones, he played at Alabama, but like I don't like his arm isn't better. I don't know that he's a better processor. I don't know, like I, I don't think there's any real discernible difference here. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty close. Now there's actually a fantastic article on NFL.com where they kind of break down this a little bit more. And one thing that they noted was with Zappy, the offense uh, has been a little bit more, um, op- it's operated a little bit more in the shorter area. Uh, he Zappy has 6.6 air yards per attempt, whereas Mac Jones was averaging almost 10. So they've shortened the offense a little bit here with Zappy, but that's also Zappy's strength. That's kind of what he did in Western Kentucky. So I don't think that's necessarily indicative of who would win this job. I think honestly, the biggest factor for me is Zappy has faced Detroit, who is the 32nd worst defense. So for those keeping track at home, that is dead last uh, in defensive uh, in DVOA and the Cleveland Browns who were 31st. So he's played some pretty bad defenses. I think that could be part of why he has looked so good. I would really like to see him against a better defense. I don't know if we're actually going to get that. I, I think they're going to go back to Mac this week, but it's been a magical run with Zappy. 
and that's magical what I'm thinking. is certainly a word for it. No, they've been fine. Yeah, like there's not. I mean, yeah, I guess uh, Mac Jones forces the ball down the field a little bit more, but it's not like he's aggressive, right? You know, like I just don't think at the end of the day this matters that much. Obviously, just having a guy to plug into your lineup is is really really nice. If I I have Zappy in two different leagues, one of them I don't like. I have I have uh, I have Kyler and I have Mahomes, and I don't have a third quarterback, so I'm fine to just hang on to him. But if I have like four or five quarterbacks and somebody needs one really desperately, yeah, I'm sending them over. Because I like the story about Mac Jones, like I Barstool really some stupid story and Barstool's full of crap 99.99% of the time about how like Mac Jones is like starting to piss off the Patriots. Um, if the, if that story were to be true, which I again don't think it is because the source is Barstool and I don't believe anything comes out of their mouths, um, then maybe it would make sense for Zappy to take over for him. But I don't know that that's actionable. So I, I don't know. Yeah, like I said, I kind of think this could be a, a situation like they had with Jimmy G where like they're not going to bench Jones for this, but they know they have a very reliable backup. And at some point in time, if it comes down to it and they get some trade calls, maybe they move him. Because you mentioned in your rant on Campus Life this week that at any point in time, there's about 25 quarterbacks in the NFL that are, you know, serviceable at their job. You know, we're seeing Andy Dalton not doing very well tonight. So it definitely doesn't go 32 deep. There are teams that can use a quarterback. There are teams that are going to miss out on a quarterback in this draft class because there are only two in Young and Stroud. So maybe they get some calls. I don't know. Uh, I would kind of like to see him go somewhere else and, and get an actual chance. They'll never uh, sell it. They'll keep both those guys through the end of their contract till their last year. Most they likely, won't sell them now. Most likely because they're they're on cheaper rookie deals right now. I mean, Mac Jones was a first round guy, so his fifth year will get a little bit more expensive there. But um, Bailey Zappi, very cheap, very cheap. So selfishly, I'd like to see them move him, but we'll see. Um, speaking of trades, though, Elijah Moore has requested a trade formally from or form yeah formally from the Jets. Uh I think that this is very intriguing given the addition of Garrett Wilson and kind of how they've been using him. Are there any landing spots that you have in mind for Elijah Moore here? My ideal landing spot for Elijah Moore is the bench. <laughs> that is my ideal <laughs> landing spot for him. How dare he what has he ever done in the NFL that would make it okay in his second year to demand a trade? I can tell you the answer. The answer is nothing. He's done <laughs> nothing in the NFL. It already sounds like they're they're talking about benching him this week and starting Denzel Mims in his place. They don't. They throw it seventeen times a game anyway. Who cares who's out there? It really doesn't matter. And they weren't throwing to him anyway. So again, why does it matter? I would sit him on the bench. I don't think other teams are going to be like knocking down the door with with. Equal, but no one's going to give him the second round pick that they spent on him last year when he's being an asshole 18 games into his NFL career. I guess they played 17 now, so what 22 games in his NFL career. Nobody's going to pay up for that. No, and it, honestly, it probably will scare some teams away. Like the Packers, could you see the Packers? They don't deal well with those guys outside of Rodgers, really. Like, I can't see another strong personality heading. Like, I just don't, no one's going to spend that. I, I don't think anybody's going to spend what they're looking for to for him. So I think ultimately this is not going to go anywhere. I think that he's just going to continue to kind of piss them off and he'll get benched and then he'll have to come back with his tail tucked between his legs, put his head down and try and work and earn a spot on the field there. Now, like you said, they don't really throw all that often. So I understand his frustration and it is the Jets. He probably wasn't super happy that he got drafted by them anyway. Um, but yeah, I think that the just in terms of landing spot wise, I think there are some teams that could use a dynamic slot option. I mean, the Falcons can use any receiver. He's not playing, he's not playing slot for them, by the way. Which is surprising kind of in his role, but he's playing X. And that's why they because they said Denzel Mims is going to replace him. I was like, in the slot and then it said no he starts he starts mostly at the x for them i think this is actually a bigger red flag if i'm a jets fan that there's nobody in the locker room that could kind of pull him aside and say like 
like no no leadership there. I I don't. I mean, yeah. I don't think Wilson like I don't think the locker room just you know just blows him off or anything. But I don't know that he's like a respected guy there. And then outside of that, who Joe are the, Flacco, man, the wily veterans. I'm assuming Flacco is pretty deferential. I think he, he knows probably his, does. I his think role he on that team. <laughs> I think I don't think he was ever a super vocal leader. Um, but yeah, I think probably at this point in his career, he doesn't really care. Yeah, and then you've got I mean, I, who's like the CJ Mosley? Is he like the most senior like good? player on that entire team like it's yeah. a, they've been doing well this year i'm not like mm-hmm. saying they all stink but like there's not a real guy yeah. that i think of that's going to bring that locker room together so i think that's a, if i'm a jets fan i'm actually really worried that there was nobody on that team that could kind of grab him by the shoulders and just say man like the team's doing well can't be saying this stuff like let it go stop man i don't think they have that guy i don't think they do either and the coach is pretty new as well i mean second year as a head coach so the whole organization very young but does this trade request impact his dynasty value at all for you or has it already kind of dropped uh a good a good bit well he's probably been surpassed by a couple guys this year that maybe we didn't expect you know a guy like chris alave has probably started off his career hotter than we thought i think if you like you 99 of people would probably take chris alave straight up over him I think he like I I I would venture that a lot of people would probably take George Pickens over him, um, like a lot of these rookies. I think you would. Yeah, I would too. Because yeah. um, Pickett. Like you told him. me you um, told me earlier to yesterday that I could pry Pickens from your cold dead hands. So and that was a direct quote. It is. Yes. Um, like I I think there's a lot of guys like that that have kind of surpassed him this year. So I mean I think his value has definitely fallen. I don't know that his value could fall further based on this. But um, like I, I, this has probably been like if you're a uh, um, a more truther, I'm not sure that that this start of the year you feel great about your position. I wouldn't be like selling him now either, though. You're not going to get anything for him. I think this is kind of a lesson in not getting too far out over your skis on some of these rookies because there was a lot of hype around Elijah Moore coming out. Um, you know, we saw him taken pretty early in drafts last year. And at times it was ahead of some some veterans who are actually still retaining some values, you know. So there was one situation where I saw him taken ahead of Chris Godwin. You know, I don't think that was a good idea at the time either. But, you know, I think it's just a, a reminder that not all of these rookies that we have these rose colored glasses on are going to pan out. And, you know, maybe we need to dial it back a little bit on our rookie fever. Easier said than done, because everybody does that. But um, we'll get into the main part of the show here. Uh, But before we do that, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great pods. You can follow all of them on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live, or you can check out the Friday Drops that recap the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. And if you're looking for additional NFL or CFF content beyond what the amazing content that you get at Campus to Canton, Fantasy Points is a great resource. Uh, you can use promo code CAMPUS22, CAMPUS22, uh, over there for a 10% off of a membership over there. All right, Austin. I know you've been waiting for this here. C2C strategy sesh. It's just you and me in the audience sitting mm-hmm. down, mm-hmm. breaking down what we're going to do here now that we're in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, is your... NFL team right there in the edge. You kind of want to make a push. You know, you maybe trade away some NFL, some college guys. How are we doing that? Your NFL team sucks. You're in a rebuild. How are we going to rebuild this here? The college side, they're looking to make a push. You know, you're, you're one piece away from being the top team over there. Uh, or if you're in a total rebuild over there. So we're going to break down all of those scenarios, highlight some key players um, to keep an eye on. But before we do that, I, I think we have to talk about your tweet. Your your Austin's golden rules for C2C trading. There are four of them here. Uh, why don't you hit us with number one? Yeah, uh, Twitter doesn't, there's only so many characters, so you can't, I couldn't add the follow these or else at the end, but I would have if I could. Um, so I want to I wanna say that these rules aren't necessarily hard and fast rules, but I think they apply in probably 95% of instances. And I think if you are new to this format or you are, you find yourself generally very unsure of of 
player values as they compare to each other, then I think if you follow these four rules, then you will generally do well, even if you don't necessarily know what you're doing. And here are the four rules. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go through them. I'll, I'll list them all off first, and then we can okay. chat about them. So number one, never, ever, under any circumstances, ever, and I'm really glad that you picked up on where I was going with that, because um, <laughs> that, that is those, the, the office reference there. The never, ever, under any circumstances, ever trade an NFL stud, and your definition might change of stud, but like high-end asset for college players only. Number two, the easiest way to approximate an NFL for college trade is to figure out the NFL player's value and rookie picks and then go from there. And I did have an example. We can talk about some examples here. Yeah, uh, these aren't the full tweets. I kind of trimmed them down to the uh, the little bite-size key point. You, you broke down into bite-size a form of something that already can only be 240 character. Yeah, right? Thank yeah. you. Um, You're welcome. Number three, CFF players, like CFF only players or players that we would kind of dump into that bucket should generally be moved for supplemental freshman picks or as sweeteners in other trades. You should not be trading Devi prospects or, or legit NFL players for them. That is how you lose a ton of value. And then number four, if you can set your league's market, be the first out there to kind of make some of these moves. That means if your team is really bad and you've got a couple CFF guys, be the first out there, offer some deals out, get them off of your team first um, because A, it might prompt other action, but B, you set that market. And I think that's very important um, especially because all these leagues markets are so different. Someone can text me or message me and say, I can't sell Charlie Jones for more than a seventh. Somebody else might message me and it's like, I've got all these people lining up to buy Charlie Jones. What do I do here? So the, the, it varies widely by league. But if you're the first one out there, you're the one sending the offers. You're the one dictating discussions. It means be aggressive, but also flexible, willing to negotiate. I think those are the four rules. And if you follow those four, even if you, like I said, even if you don't know anything about player valuation, I think you'll generally do okay. I agree with those. I agree with those largely in principle here. But let's start with the first one because you got a little bit of pushback on this from from two from two people, um, Felix, and then the other one was uh, another contributor over here at, at Campus to Canton, Ethan Ethan Sowers, uh, on Twitter there. So never ever under any circumstances, for any reason, no matter who, no matter who you're with, no matter what you're doing, ever. Trade an NFL stud for college players only. And this is the one you got a little bit of pushback for here. And you responded to that saying, this is mostly for newer players of this format, players who may not have uh, a great handle. They may not feel like they have a great handle on NFL value or NFL for college value here. You said there are some instances where you would be willing to trade an NFL stud for a college player in those instances what do you need back on that college side? If you are going to move an NFL stud for college-only players, what do you have to have back? Yeah, so first off, I'm defining stud as players that are basically top, like, I, I mean, it, it probably varies depending on the year, but these are probably the top, you know, 12 to 15 picks in an NFL in a dynasty startup. So, you know, this is your Jamar Chases, your Justin Jeffersons, your Patrick Mahomeses, your Josh Allens. This is not... Um, like for instance, I broke this rule today, but I didn't really, I, I traded Austin Eckler away and the bulk of the package that I got back was like, I got, I got Sean, I traded Eckler and Jacob Cowing. I got back Sean Tucker, Roma Dunze, and then a supplemental pick, a mid round supplemental pick. And I broke the rule in that instance, but Eckler for me is not a stud. Like he doesn't quite fall into that category. So I was okay to break it. The reason why I say don't trade Jamar chase for all college pieces is because like there, think about all the uncertainty in your NFL league this week. Think about all the, the bye weeks that there are. Think about the injuries. Think about Elijah Moore, who has decided to be a jerk this year. Think about all those things and think about how much it's multiplied when we're trying to project some of these kids from college to the NFL. Think about some of these freshmen that we think look really, really good this year, like a Luther Burden, who's looked good, but he's not without question marks, a guy like Nicholas Singleton. Uh, even some of these sophomores, like we we will love Drake May this year, and I can almost guarantee you what's going to happen next year. Drake May is not going to play any better than he is this year. He's probably going to play comparably, and we're going to sour on him, and there's value that you're just 
bleeding all over the floor. So with the uncertainty baked into so many of these kids, I don't think it ever makes sense to trade a Jamar Chase for a college-only package. It's really how you go from having like the best piece on the NFL side to having three guys that get drafted in round three and all of a sudden like there you've lost every little piece of value you had there those are bad trades and i think especially for people that don't um feel that comfortable with those kind of trades it's just it's so bad it's so bad there are maybe a, a two or three players in college that i would make an exception for like Bijan, i would basically value as an nfl piece like i think the nfl has spoken like he's gonna go early like we all think the world of him he's been amazing at texas like I would probably be okay with getting him back as a centerpiece of a deal. But like if I was trading Jamar Chase, the centerpiece couldn't be Xavier Worthy, even though we like Xavier Worthy. Probably couldn't even be Marvin Harrison Jr. We like Marvin Harrison Jr. You just can't you can't accept that kind of volatility and be okay with it at the end of the day. Because I'd your like the, the odds of that player's Marvin Harrison's value is not going to increase between now and the draft. I can guarantee he's already valued as a top a guy that's going to go in the top seven or eight of his NFL draft. It can only go down. Chase is not going anywhere. He could have one or two bad years in a row and he'll value where he is. Yeah. So if you're, if you're saying that you can't have as Xavier worthy coming back, if you're saying, you know, as a center point of a deal, if you're getting rid of chase, you know, Marvin Harrison, are you mostly looking at, guys in the 2020 the exceptions to the rules do most of them come from the 2023 class where we're a little bit more firm on our opinion and we feel a little bit better about that evaluation is that kind of where you're looking at the 20 probably because the other problem is like and and ethan asked me this and and i thought it was a good question he said well then in dynasty will you just trade jamar chase for you know four first round draft picks and i think my answer is slightly different because that pick could be anybody if this, if you know this part of the season, you know this 2023 pick is going to be no better than the 103. Then you have a pretty good idea of the four or five players that are probably going to be, you know, you're debating between at that point. If Bijan gets hit by a truck tomorrow, that's just one fewer player, you know, one less player on your on your list of guys, but the value is still insulated. If you trade for Bijan and he gets hit by a truck tomorrow, the, there's no value insulation there. It's it's all completely just gone in in an instant. Um, think about like people were spending up on Keishon Boutte last year. He looked great as a freshman. He looked great those first couple games as a sophomore. And then the Achilles injury, coaching staff change, and now some don't think as as highly of him. So um I don't know where I was going with that now. I had a wrap-up paragraph and now I forget. <laughs> but um, twenty twenty three class there. So um, but so so yeah, for twenty twenty three class. Generally, that's the group I would be pulling from. I would, I could maybe be convinced on like a Caleb Williams. I think his value is probably pretty insulated at this point. But even like Travion Henderson, I don't think his value is insulated like that at this point. He's not had a very good year. He's been consistently banged up over the past year and a half. Like, I, yeah, I think it has to be guys that are basically entering ASAP. Gotcha. What about a Quinn Ewers? No, Still kind I of in the Travion boat. I just don't think Ewers' value is insulated like that, even though I think the world of Quinn Ewers, and I think he has a good chance to be a better quarterback than Caleb Williams. I wouldn't have him as a centerpiece in that kind of a deal. No, you'd have to do like trade Jamar Chase to me for like I like you tear down. You go like I'll take I'll take AJ Brown and you know Xavier Worthy. I'll take that as my package. That I could handle, and that's you know. You're still getting worthy, but the centerpiece is not worthy, if that makes sense. So when you say tier down there, how far down are you willing one. to go? Just one tier. That's it. You're not well, willing to why, go. Like, more... So my, my other point on this is like I get a lot like I had somebody ask me today, like he was like insistent on moving Jamar Chase. I was like, why are you moving Jamar Chase in like a rebuild or otherwise? I, I actually had three different people DM me today about sending Jamar Chase away three different people in a C2C league. And I was like, why, why are you, why are you doing that? You shouldn't, those are the kind of players that like you would kill somebody to have on your team. He'll be around for 10 years. It doesn't make any sense to, to go down further than a tier. If the other person isn't willing to play ball, you just take your ball and go home. You just, you, sorry if you know, you just hold on to your million dollar check and go home. Like, I don't understand the question. 
you know, like it's just, it's, I, those you you would in most leagues you want to trade three you know three quarters for a, a, a dollar or four quarters for a dollar. Like that's what that's the dream. So why are you selling the dollar for the quarters? It doesn't. I, I don't like being on that end of that deal. Fair enough. So so you're saying you're only going one tier down. So you're not willing yeah. to do a. So I guess what it comes down to is the the definition of the centerpiece there. So like if you're coming down from Jamar Chase to a um, it's a name we brought up earlier, George Pickens, and a Marvin Harrison and a supplemental pick, something like that. Is that too far down for you on the too NFL far down side? for me? Yeah, and gotcha. you're losing value. Yeah. Gotcha. So then the other that kind of transitions to the next rule there, the easiest way to approximate NFL for CFB trades is to figure the NFL's value in rookie picks and go from there. Um, if you're looking at Jamar Chase for first round draft picks, and we're just using Jamar Chase because that was the name you kind of brought up before, you know, this could also be DeAndre Swift. This could also be Dak Prescott, you know, or, or somebody along those lines. Um, if you're, you're evaluating it in, in terms of, of rookie picks. So let's say it's three first round rookie picks is kind of what you're looking at for, for this, you know, uh, three early rookie picks. Are there any players that stand out for you that you're looking at? Like I would get three of these pieces on strictly the college side, like a Marvin Harrison and a Caleb Williams, or you, you put Caleb Williams in the tier above a Marvin Harrison and a Quinn Ewers and a Quinshawn Judkins. Jamar Chase. What did I just yeah, say? Yeah, I guess it's probably a little bit more. What did I just say? No, I'm not, I don't want to do that. I don't know how much clearer I can be on this, but I do think that, yeah, I think just converting it in your head to, to rookie picks and then going from there just makes it a lot more digestible. We get a lot of picks and I'm happy to answer DMS all day. I mean, I, now that my busy season's over, I spent a lot of time today actually answering DMs. I'm happy to answer them. Um, but I think this is one of those like teach somebody to fish type. Like you can kind of, you know, do a trade on the fly. You don't have to be like, well, let me, let, let me go talk to my guy. And then you, you know, you come in. If I'm, you know, I'm out to dinner with my wife, I'm not going to message you back. Um, so it, just converting into rookie picks and then thinking, you know, if you're playing in this league, you should have some sort of a thought like Kendry Miller. That's probably, he's probably like an early second round kind of guy. Um, so, you know, that, that that's, I'm going to assign him that value. Quentin Johnston, like the best he's probably going to go is like, you know, uh, 106 or 107. I'm going to assign him that value. Um, and then you can kind of just work your way through the rookie classes to kind of do that mental math. I think it's a, it's a, it's a good exercise. It will help you kind of, internalize your own rankings and kind of how you feel about players um you can factor in outside sources but i think that's a really good way to just kind of generally calculate trades in your head gotcha yeah jamar jamar chase bad example i guess aj brown or somebody a little bit lower of a tier would have been a better example in that one Mike, you could just use the example that i put in the tweet but you cut it out so um yeah, I, I, I did cut it out because I wasn't going to put your whole tweet in here as the rules. This is a show sheet. We like to keep it tight, compact, concise. You're losing me. Um, the original tweet had Deontay Johnson, and I said, let's okay. let's say his value is a first and a second. Now you're trying to figure out in your head, you know, who's a, what's worth a first, what's worth a second, who's a first, who's a future second. And then that's the kind of deal that you offer for him. Gotcha. Or, and then, you know, vice versa. Does the pot split matter at all for you? If this is a 50-50 no. college versus NFL? No, because I've never seen anything more extreme than 60-40, and I'm still very grateful to take a 40% pot or whatever. Like People make a big deal out of that. I think the pot, unless it's anything more uh, beyond 60-40, I think you should treat them both the same. You should treat both leagues the same. So yes. you value the NFL players a, a, a substantial amount more. Uh, I don't know. That kind of feels like kind of putting words in my mouth, but um, well, it was a question. Oh, I'm sorry. So you were saying if it's 60, 40 and a value, the NFL players way more. If it's 50, 50, yes. you, the payout is exactly even on the college side. You pay in 50 bucks total and the payout comes out and the winner on the college side wins the exact same amount as the winner on the NFL side. Yeah. You're valuing those players still exactly the same. Correct. 
and I would and I would value them exactly the same at sixty forty. And I wouldn't play in a league that skews me further than that. So I don't I don't have good advice on that. I would my advice would be if you're in a league that skews that heavy, don't play in it. Fair enough. Moving on to number three, CFF players should generally be moved for supplemental picks or freshman picks or as sweeteners in other trades. Um, an example of this, I just moved one of my seniors I moved in a league where I'm not competing. I moved um, DTR for a supplemental fourth round pick. That's kind of the deals that you're looking to target there. Yep. Yep. Um, you should never trade Devi prospects for CFF players because they are fairly easy to come across i guarantee if someone doesn't want to play ball you can find somebody else in your league that will and won't require such a ridiculous return and i would never ever ever trade an nfl player for cff production like purely cff production ever in a billion years again just like because most of you think uh, like i'm when i'm saying cff production i mean like we're talking uh, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of like a uh lejante wester at FAU like the odds of Wester ever being more than like a fifth round NFL draft pick are insanely low like even if you love Lejante Wester and you think he can go play in the NFL for a long time like be realistic realize that he's probably a CFF only guy and you know like yeah a fifth round pick a sixth round pick like that's the kind of range where you should be spending you shouldn't be trading Juju for CF or Rondale Moore for CFF picks or I don't know, even if it's a, player, yeah. even if it's for for a guy like a Bo Nix, who you have an extra year and nope. you're getting very high end production. Nope, 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 nope. You should never do that. Never, ever, ever. I think if you took a pool of all 28 people that work at C2C, you'd probably get, if not unanimous, pretty close to unanimous on that. It's it's bad process to do that. Gotcha. All right. Um, and then setting your league's market, um, being aggressive, being willing to negotiate. Um, can you expand on being first to market and the value that that actually brings to your trades? Yeah. So I actually did this in one league this year. I had a 16 teamer where the season didn't start off that hot. I had a couple of guys banged up slash like not really perform. And I, and I whiffed on one or two of my other CFF type guys. So I started off the year. Uh, really, really slow. And I think I real I realized it really early in this league by like week three or week four, like this wasn't going to happen. Um, so I actually did this almost a month ago at this point. Um, but I went and I sold a ton of players and I'm pulling up the transactions here just to kind of um, give you the idea of, of what I ended up selling. And I, I was the first person that, that moved all of their guys. So in this league, um, so I moved, I had Cameron rising miles price and clay mill or yeah. Uh, Cameron rising miles price clay mill. And I moved them for a fifth, a second, a fifth and a second. That's pretty good value for next year's draft. I moved Malik Cunningham for a second next year. I moved, uh, chase Brown, Tory Horton and Corey Crooms for a first and Brian Thomas. Um, those are the, those are the ones that I made that basically depleted all of my CFF guys. But I like you, like I've, I've now got, I, I picked up an extra second, an extra fit, uh, two extra seconds, an extra first and an extra fifth. And realistically going into the draft next year, now I can hit some nice Debbie guys, maybe for the first three rounds, take a, be a more, a little more risky and then still have a bunch of picks to round out my roster at the end. that can go back to CFF. Well, and guess what? If it doesn't work out again, I can just keep churning and hopefully I hit one or two of these Debbie guys and I can kind of build up a roster from there. Like it's just very simple. Churn the bottom of your roster. Like you're familiar with in any sort of regular dynasty league. It's how you end up with sometimes an Austin Eckler, Tyree kill. Sometimes you end up with Cedric Wilson. Like that's just kind of the, the, the churning I'm talking about here, but doing that kind of churn um, allows you again to set that market. Like nobody else could come in and undercut it. Um, and allows you to just kind of set your vision either to tank or to push early, which I think is is valuable. So you talk about making that decision early in your league. You made it like three or four weeks into this season. Mm-hmm. What is the What are some of the key indicators that you look for for determining that, okay, my season is lost versus I've just had some rough luck these first couple of weeks and I think I could turn it around? Yeah, I don't know how long you like to wait, but I think college is especially uh, important to stay attuned to it because the college season, the regular season is only like nine or 10 games. 
Like it's way shorter than NFL. I had a league a week or two ago where I was this actually this past week where I was trying to trade to this guy. He's like two and five. And he's like, I want to hold on to my. I was like, you're not going to make the playoffs. You're like 200 points back on the tiebreaker. And like the guy that's it's like five and two, it's like in the sixth spot. He didn't want to hear it. Um, and that guy's that probably doesn't know what he's doing. Um, I, but I, I think like just looking at points for looking at injuries, are they mounting up? Um, I think are both crucial. And at the end of the day, like I play in like eight or 10 of these. So I don't mind like three or four games in and it's being like, okay, like screw it. This isn't going to happen this year. If I played in one, maybe I'd be a little more hesitant, but um, I think it also depends too on how many pickups you get. If you have unlimited pickups and you think you can kind of turn things around, then maybe I'll kick at the can a week or two longer. But I mean, it's just, you should know if you can't figure it out, then like either ask one of us at C2C for help, or if you've been doing this for a long time and you still can't really get a hold of that, I, I don't, it's maybe just not a skill that you have. Yeah. I mean, I think, how long do you wait? I think it depends on in, in each league, but I think having the ability to objectively look at your roster and think, you know what, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. Uh, I think that's actually, that is a skill like you touched on. And, and I think it's one that, maybe not quite enough people have it's it's difficult sometimes to be objective about your own team uh, i i kind of look at similar things like you did do uh, points for is a big one for me points for points against you know if i'm sitting in three weeks into the season i'm sitting in ninth place but i still have the most points for and i have the most points against uh you know i'm probably not packing it in at that point you know if we start looking you know five weeks into the season and i'm in that point and it's just really not turning around for me. Sometimes, I mean, fantasy is a luck game sometimes. And the luck just wasn't with you this year. You know, five weeks into the season, in the college football season, because like you said, it's not that long. Five weeks is about halfway through your, your season um, on, the on the college football side. So it, it, by the halfway point, if I'm sitting in ninth or worst, and if there's like everybody, if everybody's right in the middle, you have like two teams up at the top that are like five and oh, and two teams at the bottom that are 0 and 5, and everybody else in the middle is like three and two. And I'm one game out of sixth, one game out of fifth, and I still have a lot of points for. And maybe I won't pack it in yet. But by week five, you really should know you, you should be making a decision. I am either going to retool or rebuild, or I'm going to be making a push. I think inactivity is and not making moves is one of the biggest detriments that people have because even if your team is looking good even if you're sitting in in second place to third place and, and you're not making a move to get make your team better other teams around you are and they can still jump you so by week five you should know exactly how you want to decide it if i'm getting in early if i'm sitting in like 11th or 12th place after like three or four weeks i'm making my moves you know, it's it's difficult to climb out of that hole. And I'm just I'm going back and looking through this year's draft in this league just to see like I I, I picked up two extra seconds. The, the second round of this draft this year, Tavion Thomas, DJ Allen, Emmanuel Henderson, Chris Marshall, Tet McMillan, Barry and Brown, Adam Randall, Shaz Preston, Connor Wegman, George Pettowage, Marion Miller, Quinshawn Judkins, Montreal Johnson, Ashton Genty, Antonio Williams. Like that's I a got, 16 teamer. I got two extra picks in that range for, and like, I, I'm fine with that pivot. I can snowball a little bit off of this. Even like the, I mean, yeah, I picked up a fifth rounder this year's fifth round, Amarian Hampton, uh, Ollie Gordon, Daquan Finn, Ollie Jennings, Braden Bennett, Jordan Hudson, um, uh, Gavin Bartholomew, Antoine Wells, Jr. Cartavius Norton, Matt Kippenhammer, just as like a selection of guys. And like there's, there's tons of value in these rounds, guys. I think people underestimate how much value can be hanging around. Uh, late into some of these uh, freshman supplemental drafts. Yeah, I completely agree, especially in leagues that limit your waiver pickups. Your yes. supplemental drafts are going to be a lot fuller um, if your league limits the number of pickups. And then that's kind of, and that's the point. You know, that's by design. That's why you limit the number of waiver pickups is to keep the supplemental draft robust. Um, so we'll move here, though, into more specific examples here. Your NFL team, you're looking to make a push. You are, you're, you're right there. You're right on the cusp. 
let's say in this in in this scenario your college team is bad but you have a couple producers here how do you move those college pieces for an nfl piece after you are you know sitting here saying i'm never ever ever trading nfl well not nfl players but like you you typically don't move college producers for nfl pieces yeah i mean if you can get it um then then i would say go for it um i don't know lead lead us off here colin what 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 are you thinking um so i mean i have one on the on the opposite end of this i had one ready locked and loaded um for the rebuild one here but if i'm talking with my team ready to make an nfl push and i need one more piece I have a couple college players. Let's say I have Adrian Martinez. Um, let's say I have Charlie Jones and my college team's not really going anywhere. I'm probably looking to pair those two, maybe a supplemental pick in there too. If that kind of puts it over the top, I like to use supplemental picks as like bridge pieces. Like, okay, that's close. Let me get it a little bit closer with a supplemental pick. Um, but I'm looking to pair those two guys with maybe maybe an Elijah Moore, you know, a guy who had some value, no longer really does, um, but you know, he doesn't quite have the value that he did before. So I'm looking to pair those two guys with an Elijah Moore to get a DeAndre Hopkins, you know, a guy who's older, he's probably just about done, um, but he can still help you this year. I mean, he's having a really nice game tonight. So that's probably kind of along the lines of something I'm looking at. Yeah, I don't I mean I don't really have a lot of great NFL targets. I think most people out there know who they should be buying if they're, you know, trying to compete on the NFL side because it's the the inverse of the the sells. Like, you know, you're if you're competing, you're buying Eckler. You're buying Derrick Henry. You're buying Dalvin Cook. You're buying Leonard Fournette. You're buying um uh, maybe D Hop or Lockett or Mike Evans or somebody like that. Like every I think everyone knows those are the kind of guys that you're going that you're looking to acquire. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I have necessarily anything helpful to add there. And I think again, it just would be the first in your league to market to go buy some of those guys and offer something that's probably fair, but not crazy. And then negotiate from there. All right. Um, on the rebuild side, on the NFL side, NFL side, looking to rebuild uh, college team is, is strong. Um, you know, you're moving a Josh Jacobs, you're moving a Derrick Henry. Um, who are you looking to add on the, on the college side for, for one of those guys? If your NFL team's pretty shot. Yeah, I mean, I think you're looking, I mean, there's a lot of different guys. I think like the, anybody in the Mac, I think will help you out a lot. I think Washington's a team that I'm targeting. I still think their whole roster is under valued um you know quarterback wide receivers i think bo nix is a really intriguing guy because again been really good this year but i think the bo nix holder probably uh has a bad taste in their mouth because he's been crap the past couple years and then it's just you know you you just go into your league and you sort by top scoring guys and your charlie jones is your todd centeos your adrian martinez is these should all be players that are cheap malik cunningham that if they're on bad teams that team should be willing to sell them and don't be afraid to tell them that Look, your team's bad. You're not going to make the playoffs this year. And this guy's not a legitimate NFL prospect. And if they say, oh, I think Charlie Jones is a second-round guy, then you know that you're not really dealing with somebody that's sensible or realistic, and then you can kind of just go about your your day without haggling too much. I think that's generally a good way to do it. Let's say your NFL team is, is, is in a rebuild, but your college team is kind of in a rebuild too. So you're not really looking to acquire those uh charlie jones's those adrian martinez's you know you you're looking more for like some debbie pieces um what types of what types of returns are you looking at for the debbie pieces if you're selling off an nfl guy debbie pieces <laughs> um we have a full set of debbie rankings over at campscan.com we have a full debbie team we do a full debbie guide every year i i, I don't know i mean how much how how well, deep you want me to go into it? Well, I mean, let me let me just use an example here. This is the one I had one for. Um, my NFL team not not very good. Um, I have Derrick Henry in it, and my college team also not really good. Like I'm hanging out in like eighth ninth place. Like I haven't had a little bit of rough luck, but 
it's just, it's still not going to happen. It's not going to get there. Um, so I moved Derrick Henry for a supplemental first. Is that the type of a move you'd be looking to make? Um, yeah, that's probably pretty good value. Um, if you're just applying, if you're just looking for picks, I, I mean, I think it depends on the quality of the player. If I'm moving Juju and hoping for a Debbie piece back, you know, maybe I'm happy to get Devin Neal. If I'm moving, um, if I'm moving Mike Evans, I probably want a little more back for Mike Evans. You know, maybe I'm looking at a, I'm probably shooting for like Josh Downs or something back for him. Like that's the kind of, again, Mike Evans, what would you trade him for? I don't know. I've I haven't. I had one Mike Evans. I moved him two years ago. I have no idea what his value is now, but I can't imagine it's worth more than two first at the max. And I'd imagine most people would only pay one. Josh Downs probably going to be a, a mid to late first round draft pick next year in rookie drafts. There, there, you know, there, there's your range right there. A, a QJ, uh, an Egbuka. Maybe if you could still swing him. I don't know if you could do that or not. But that's like the. I mean, again, you're just this is going back to you know a sign of value to that a guy and rookie picks and then kind of do the backwards math from there. I think that's your going to be your best bet. Okay. So I, you and I have similar strategies in that we kind of target teams more so than a specific player. Like we look at the standings and like, all right, I know this team's bad. Oh yeah. I just go, I go to the worst team and I start there yeah. and then I just work my way up the standings. Yeah. yeah. So that's what that, yeah, that's pretty much what I do too. But I know some people out there look for specific players. They should not do that. I agree with you. I agree with you. We're on the same page there. Let's say somebody is really, they're really just looking for, they're really looking for Quinn, for Quinn Ewers. Their NFL team's in a rebuild here. Um, Like a Dalvin Cook for a Quinn Ewers. Not even close. Not doing that. Okay. Stop me. Stop me when. Stop me when. Um, Zeke. Not even close. I would rather have Dalvin than Zeke. No, yeah, no. So I'm saying like Zeke for Quinn Ewers. I'm sorry. Yeah, and I'm still saying that w- I would rather have Quinn than Dalvin if my like I oh like oh, if okay. I'm the oh, other okay. team. You're like, on the other end of that. Yeah, like end. why why would I ever do that? Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So I thought we were on the other end of that. No, I thought you were saying you wouldn't do it. Nope. Because you would rather have Dalvin. I would not rather have Dalvin Cook. Okay. All right. Well, then I'll move in the other yeah. direction. Yeah, you moved wrong. Um, Christian McCaffrey for Quinn. This is very dependent on what the other person's roster looks like. This is the right, problem. No, right. I, um, I agree with you. But I know there's some there are people out there who are always like, I my NFL team's bad. I want to go after Quinn. How do I get him? That's kind of what I'm trying to drive at here. So I like I'll be completely honest with you, Colin. And um I was very excited to talk about this topic tonight. So I, I don't think that do it like that that is a worthwhile exercise because I think leagues just differ too much. But I think in general you're gonna have a very difficult time prying Quinn Ewers from somebody's hands unless they have a very good NFL team. They need a piece to put them over the top and like they have other players to make Ewers expendable. Like that's just not a trade you can make at this stage. So I'm not sure without this being like me making fun of you, like I usually do this actually isn't one of those instances. Uh, I don't think that that is a worthwhile exercise. I actually don't think trying to plot out any sort of hypothetical trades is necessarily a, a worthwhile exercise. I think if you're just following the rules that I laid out, I think the, that's how you get to the end step. And I think it generally begins with starting at the worst team in the league and seeing what they have and then going to the next worst team in the league and seeing what they have and then the next worst team. And that, and if you're looking to buy NFL talent, you go to the worst NFL team and you say, what has this guy got? And you go to the next guy. Like I did that. I've, I've pulled off eight trades this week and I've got four or five more in the works. And that's literally the exact formula I followed. And I'm very happy with every single one of the trades that I pulled off. Look, I, completely agree with you that is how i approach it as well i, read I just don't think it, i don't think it's useful for a listener either because they could go to the quinn ewers guy and the quinn ewers guy is like yeah if you trade me patrick mahomes i'll give you quinn ewers that's it's a non-starter and we can't prepare somebody for that and i think you have to be prepared for getting that type of feedback for some of these guys just everybody has their like if you have quinn ewers you spent the 101 supplemental pick this year on him or you spent probably a top eight to ten startup pick on him like that's not a guy that you're going to give up when he's flashed that's just never going to happen. So I think people have to have realistic expectations when they go into something. You're better off targeting a guy that maybe hasn't been great this year, but you still have a lot of faith in. A guy like QJ a couple weeks ago, if you still really believed in Quentin Johnson, if you still believe in Keishon Boutte, he flashed a little bit this week, probably made it a little bit harder. 
But that's the kind you go in and say, disappointing performance. I'll see if I can still buy this guy for a reasonable price. Like trying to buy a guy like Quinn Ewers that had a lot of hype, that guy probably spent a lot on him, and then he's been pretty good. I think you just have to be prepared for that to be a losing scenario for you. Yeah, that's kind of what I was trying to get at. Because I've, I've had people ask me, like, I want to get Quinn Ewers. My NFL team's going nowhere. Like, how do I do it? Yeah, I, th- I think that generally that's a bad way a bad ref like frame of reference in your mind to try to approach a trade. I think more often than not, if you do that, you won't end up with a deal or you'll end up overpaying for a player that you probably just should have left alone in the first place. I agree. I bought Xavier Hutchinson in a league this week. I don't like Xavier Hutchinson at all. I think he's going to be a bum in the NFL, but I paid a reasonable price for him because he's been scoring pretty well in CFF this week. And he was on the second worst team in the league. Would I have rather bought? I'm trying to think of like a, a top CFF producer guy that I think. In the, would I have rather bought Agbuka? Agbuka? Yeah, probably. And I probably would have happily paid up for him. But guess what? Agbuka was on the third place team. I ain't prying him from his cold from his cold dead hands. So we pivoted. Like I just think being open to what's on a roster and kind of constructing it, the trade from there is where you got to go. I agree. Uh, moving on to some college sides here. So. College team looking to make a push. And we talked about this a little bit earlier. You highlighted the Mac players, Washington players, Bo Nix players. Um, what are some pieces you would be giving up for those players, college or NFL side? Yeah. So I think if I'm moving, co- like just a list of college players, there are the groups of college players that I think I'm trying to trade away. Um, if I. If I'm not like a CFF contender, here's what I'm doing. I'm moving away any player that has no eligibility left. These are Charlie Jones. These are Sam Wigloose or whatever the fuck his name is. Todd Santeo, Adrian Martinez, like those Malik Cunningham. I'm trading all of them away and I'm taking back whatever I can get. Preferably, probably a fourth at worst. DTR, like that. That's the your fourth for DTR. That's probably the lowest I would go. I probably would have added. Did you ask for higher than that when you started? Um, I asked for higher than that. I did start higher than that with a couple of people and it got shot down like all across the board. So I dropped it a little bit. Sure. Okay. So yeah, reasonable. That's just your league. You know, they weren't going to Malik Cunningham. I had no, I, I, I think I sent three offers out for him for a second and he was, he was gone like that. Like, I think that I, I kind of knew that that league was like that. Um, other players that I'm moving away, if I'm a good team or a bad team, I think we can get a little more, you know, nebulous here with our, any freshman wide receiver who isn't getting snaps. And this kind of circles back to our year one zero discussion. I'm moving a lot of these guys that aren't even close and aren't getting any snaps to change that story. So a guy like CJ Williams at USC, DJ Allen, Shaz Preston, all the OSU wide receivers, Tobias Merriweather, Caden Saunders, Brennan Thompson, Andre Green Jr. These are all players that I'm dumping. The one exception is Talon Shetron for a couple of reasons. One, he's been injured. The one game he did play, he was very, very good. He's not really getting snaps, but I still think at worst, you're probably going to get a year or two of really, really good CFF production out of him. So he's a guy that I'm hanging on to. Um, but those are the kind of guys, maybe even like players that maybe have played a little bit, but have been generally been disappointing. Like those, I, I'm, I'm fine moving all of those guys. And I think, again, you can kind of take like whatever you can get for them. Like there's probably somebody out there who still loves Shaz Preston. And I, I mean, I like the guy too, but he's not even touching the field of Bama. Like I'll take a third round pick back for him, even though I maybe spent a second. Cause if he, if you hold him through the off season, you'll get like a sixth. Like this is the time to, to do it. And someone still has hope that he's going to break out this year. All right. And then all of those are wide receivers that you named. There's some yeah. running backs too that I was going to say we we thought maybe we had some hope for guys like a Le'Veon Moss. That's so Even tough like with those Williams guys. Thomas. Yeah, because just like only one of them can really be on the field at a time. Like I always am probably more willing to hang on to a running back a little bit longer than a wide receiver. So like Branson Robinson has gone on the field the past couple weeks and he's looked pretty good, but he's not going to do anything for you this year. But I still like I think he'll be really really good. I still have. Um, hopes for Jade on blue there at Texas. I still have some hopes for um, Citizen hasn't played at all, but that's fine. I, I still really, really like here. him. Um, Moss is one where I'm a little hesitant because I was really on the fence with him to start with and he hasn't done anything. Um, but generally, like I'm willing to wait another year or so on those guys. Like Petaway was okay at the beginning of the year. I think he's been injured or just really hasn't been playing that much. Um, but like I'm not, I'm not 
rushing to move him. Like I, I think you hold on to the running backs a little bit longer because running back we don't care about breakout. We right. care about best season. So best season, we Kenneth Walker just did it. Like dude, I'll hold on to these guys and and then hope that something changes. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot can change in the transfer portal too. So especially for, for running backs there. I mean, we, we have the year one wide, uh, year one zero wide receiver theory where it doesn't really matter where you transfer. Um, I do want to ask one question on Keon Grays. I know that's mm-hmm. a guy we were really high on. Mm-hmm. It seems like he's going to end up as a wide receiver zero, but given all of the talent that they have there, uh, he, cause he's playing behind, Marvin Harrison Jr., a guy we like a lot. Emeka Egbuka, a guy we like a lot. Now, JSN's hurt, so that maybe skews the context a little bit, but he's playing behind Julian Fleming, who was a five-star in his class. Does that matter at all for you for the selling purposes here? Not really. So where I thought the Grays would actually factor in this year was on special teams. They said that they liked him as a returner in the preseason um but he's gotten literally zero work doing that and i think even if we think that a wide receiver room is stacked like think a guy that when we talk i talk about year one zeros like on twitter and i always get a comment from someone that like newly follows me or like doesn't follow me and somebody else retweeted it is they're like well what about jameson williams because he's hot on everybody's mind right now Jamison Williams was in a crowded wide receiver room. He was there with Alave, with Wilson, with JSN, with some of these other guys. Jamison Williams wasn't a year one zero, guys. Like this is what we talk about with some with with some of these players. Like when it's blowout time and there's a chance for them to get on the field, do they get out there and do they do anything? We're not expecting some some major role. And Jamison Williams, uh, I don't even think he played in like every game as a, a, a freshman. I don't remember exactly how many he played in, but he still put up six catches for 112 yards and a touchdown that year. In a, in a very, very crowded room. Like, this is this is what we're talking about. So for Grays to have had one catch for two yards or something like that, like, it's a pretty big red flag. Like, if, if the player is truly good, they'll figure it out eventually, but they got to do something, something that first year. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that kind of really does it here for uh, rebuilding for some some trade values here was there anything else that you wanted to really highlight here anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to the only bucket of players that i think that i didn't talk about uh, the of like um college players that i'm buying that aren't necessarily like cff studs for, or for, you know, primarily for that purpose mm-hmm. there's two different buckets here really and those are freshmen that i think are not getting enough attention but their underlying you know stats are really really good uh, and some players that I thought fit into that bucket, Antonio Williams, wide receiver Clemson, Isaiah Bond at, at uh, uh, Bama, still I don't think is valued correctly. Uh, Chris Marshall at Texas A&M, I think um, is a, probably a buy compared to where his value is. Catron Allen at Penn State, uh, he's getting some work there. And then Branson Robinson, who I talked about earlier. Then the other bucket is players that I think a lot of people still view as kind of CFF only, but I think they have some sneaky Debbie upside. And I don't have a full list here, but just some names that I wrote down. Uh, Romeo Dunze at Washington. Um, both of the, the wide receivers at Arizona, and by that I mean Ted McMillan and Jacob Cowing. Um, Xavier Hutchinson, I really don't think much of him, but I, there's a scenario that he gets picked day three, and there's some value there. But I, I think he'll just be like this year's Gallup, like a guy that does nothing. Uh, Dalton Kincaid, the tight end at Utah. Um, and then Rasheed Rice. Uh, he's another guy that's kind of a question mark for me, wide receiver at SMU, but I think he falls into that category. So guys like that, that you think, you know, you're looking at and you're like, does this guy have a path to like go to the senior bowl and be really good there and get drafted in like the third round or, you know, just a guy that maybe underperformed a little bit year one, year two, like those kind of guys, I think you can buy for a sneaky value and have them like Dalton Kincaid. He could be like a top 50 pick in the draft next year. I've heard some real, some scouts love this kid, and I don't think he's valued that way at all. Um, and he's going to put up huge numbers for you down the stretch at tight end. So I think he, and you can probably get him for what, a fifth, a sixth? I would say that's very much worth it. So when are you, when are you buying these types of players here? Today, uh, tomorrow, yesterday, up till the what, deadline, really. Up till the deadline. What, in what situation are you buying these players? <laughs> More in a rebuild situation for any. at least of the freshmen? Any. 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 I think those are anytime players. Anytime. Okay. Yeah. They're probably not valued correctly for one reason or another. Okay. And this is totally off the cuff here, but do you have an 
this is just kind of a gut feel for you for like mm-hmm. which types of players fit into these categories here or do you have like kind of like a system that you're like not a system in place but like key things you look for i mean i'm lucky enough that i maintain rankings that are like right. 150 deep at each position so for me it's right. a little easier to kind of track and flick through and see um but i think i think about startup or like start yeah probably like startup value this year uh, another guy that would fit in this butt would be Caden Prather and I can talk through my thought process with him real quick. So Caden Prather the wide receiver at WVU. Um he was kind of hyped as a freshman but like not that much, you know, um didn't do too much, was not a year 10. He crossed those thresholds. Uh, mega situation improvement in year 2 with JT Daniels coming into town and Graham Harrell and all these guys. Underperforms week 1, 2, 3ish, outplayed by Bryce Ford Wheaton. Everyone's saying, you know, here we go. This guy's going to be, you know, the the second or third guy on this passing offense. But I don't think the evaluation really changed from freshman to sophomore year, which was, you know, he's a 6364 guy with good athleticism who can separate a little bit and win downfield. And now he's kind of overtaking Bryce Ford Wheaton, but people are not necessarily aware of that fact yet. He's actually a free agent in one league that I'm in. Whoa. We only get two pickups a year, so I'm trying to pick him up next week. Um, two pickup windows. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Week four, week eight. So I gotta, I gotta wait. Um, but like, he's a guy that I think the value has not caught up to what he realistically should be. I have him in my Devi wide receiver rankings. I have Caden Prather as my wide receiver, thirty-two. I have around him malik neighbors tet mcmillan zay flowers jacob cowing adonai mitchell like that's kind of the group that he's in and then for c2c wide receivers i have him in a very similar range i have him wide receiver 37 and around him i have guys like um rishi rice uh styles who's dropped a lot for me but i still i I couldn't put him any lower than that for right now uh mcmillan cowing again neighbors troy franklin like i don't think he's valued in that way at all like i think if you if you put Franklin and and and, uh, and Prather in front of people, they would take Franklin so much more than Prather. I like think, I, that, yeah. Like, so I, I think he's the kind of guy. Like, if I'm just kind of monitoring situation and you know, how are they doing the past couple weeks and, and all these things, and I think that those are kind of the guys. Like, we Adunze was when we talked about all off season, like major underperformed year one, year two. Uh, the context for it, major situation upgrade, bada bing, bada boom. Like, those are just the very easy things that you can look at that that will help you determine it okay all right well i think that is going to do it for us here tonight i tricked austin into talking for an hour you did more, more than an hour here you did uh, on hour. on can bound so you have the bills in the mail point one for colin um that's going to do it for us here tonight though uh check out all the other shows that we have over on the campus to canton network uh the back to Devi you're looking for that that is actually moved to wednesday so that will be dropping on wednesdays will not be out tomorrow it's already in your feed uh check that one out you know we got chasing the natty coming on mondays campus life tuesdays bet on c2c and back to debbie on wednesdays debbie debate on thursdays can't bound on fridays we got some for you every single day we got the official sprinkled in there as well um so definitely check those out check out the youtube channel as well college football mornings Chris is bringing you prize picks plays every morning. So if you're signing up for that Jersey promo that we mentioned at the beginning of the show, you're depositing, you're looking to actually win some money on, on that. You know, we got you covered. Check out the the, uh, college football mornings with Chris on that one. But until next time, this is Colin and I'm Austin and have (laughs) a